Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Man of God Ministries. It is great to have you on board. I appreciate your time as always. I'm going to try to get to it. I'm not sure how long this podcast will be. It could be over a half an hour. I'm not quite 100% sure. But I will say this. I want to talk a little bit tonight about veneration and worship. Are they the same? Are they different? Well, some will say they are and some will say they're not. It all depends on who you're asking. But i got to be honest with you, I think in many cases they're quite the same. They are absolutely quite the same. Let's start off by just talking about the definition. Just simply the definition. So we're going to start with the word worship. What does, actually no, what we'll do is we'll go to veneration. Yeah, two definitions, I'm sorry, one definition that's commonly used. And this is coming from Merriam-Webster. You can look at Oxford, Cambridge, all different ones, but I decided to go with Merriam-Webster only because that is one most people will find in a, uh, a discount store, Salvation Army, uh, Goodwill, Walmart, anywhere, widely found. So, definition of veneration. Respect or awe-inspired by the dignity, wisdom, dedication, or talent of a person. That's veneration. Person, by the way. Person. Now let's look at worship. And by the way, awe-inspired, respect, talent of person. Worship. You got two different definitions here I'm going to read to you. Also from the Merriam-Webster. One, to honor or show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power. Two, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. Now, see the first one seems to be separate, doesn't it, from veneration? And the second one seems to me exactly like veneration. So you regard great extravagant respect, honor, devotion. Veneration, respect for awe inspired by dignity, wisdom, dedication, or talent of a person. Worship, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. Do you see the same thing? To me, they're exactly the same. To venerate, to worship. See? It is being used in the same cases. Now people will say, well, they venerate the saints. It's no big deal. They don't worship them, do they? Or do they not? And again, I'm going to argue the fact that they both worship and venerate the same thing. Think about this. If you're praying to Jesus and you're praying to Mary, are you not expecting the same results? Are you not expecting that they both can do the same thing? Well, no, we just want her. We're praying that she speaks on our behalf. Not everyone prays that way. I hate to break it to you. They actually think Mary can solve the problems. Or how about praying to the different saints? I had a list at one point with a bunch of saints. I'm like, yikes, I, I was going to put it together. I might at another point in time during another podcast. But you have all types of saints for all different ailments. Do you not think praying to Jesus can solve those things? Do you, I'm sorry, do you think he's too busy? He's got other things on his plate? 
then why do you worship Jesus? If you venerate the saints and expect more from them than you do of Jesus, we got a serious problem, don't we? Well, the Roman Catholic Church doesn't have a problem because uh, they're not saved. It's just really that simple. It couldn't be more simple. So when you're venerating saints, isn't that the dead? See, veneration of saints is the worship of the dead. They're dead. You put them up on pedestals. You have statues. You have monuments. They're idols at that point. And does not the Bible speak against that? I believe it does. Actually, it's not so much that I, I believe it does. It, it, it does. Now, of course, I'm now missing my uh, sheets here. Now, I had this written down, so I had these, the, all the verses in front of me so I can go through them. But apparently, I have lost them. Well, that is a shame. Alright, here we go. Let's go to Exodus. We're going to go through, before I read my next part, we're going to go right to Exodus. Let's go to Exodus in the King James Bible, by the way. We'll talk about that another time. You know, okay, we'll talk about that for a second. Um, it's amazing to me that when you speak to these Roman Catholic hierarchy, these these professors and these experts, and I'll tell you, well, the original Dewey Reams is absolutely the greatest there is. They, that is it. You, you, that's that's it. Not the King James, not those other Bibles, the NIV. I mean, you can read the NIV. Do not read the King James Bible. But read the NIV and everything like that. That's fine. But, uh, yeah, the Dewey Reams, it has not changed. It is the Word. Well, that's an absolute lie because it's consistently changed. I've talked about that before. It's changed in the 59. It's changed, actually, not the 59. The 59 RSV changed. But the 59 uh, Catholic Bible did stay pretty close to the original Dewey Reams. And after that, all the Catholic Bibles of the 65 seemed to have gone their own direction. And none of them followed the Dewey Reams at all in most cases. I talked about Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and that's completely different. And in fact, the modern Catholic Bibles all read exactly the same as the NIV. Let's be honest. But that's another story for another time. So Exodus chapter 34, verse 14, we're going to talk a little about, about worship. For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. No other God. That's a little G, by the way. Why does it have a little G there? Because it's not the God. Capital G. Because in that time, time frame, there were all these gods that they worshipped. You follow the Bible. You know what I'm talking about. All these different gods and doing different things. And remember, the gods and the saints are the same. Wait, what? That's blasphemy. Stephen, that's blasphemy. Oh, yeah? Well, look at some of the gods in pagan times and look at the saints. No shall find many, many similar pagan gods that do the same thing as the saints that you worship to for the money, the healing, the 
let's see, the find your car in the parking lot in the second tier of the garage by the mall. Okay, that's not really a saint. Surprised they haven't made one yet. But all those type of things for, you know, colon problems, for cancer, all these things for wealth, for health, for vision, for headaches. They have pagan gods for each one. I will uh, compile that list at another point in time. It's funny when you look at it. Not funny like it's... Oh, it's hilarious. It's sad. That's what it is. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 19. And it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, that's a capital G, and walk after other gods, that's a small g, and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. Yes, both in two ways. Striking you dead, and you're going to perish in hell. It's just that simple. All right, let's move along to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16. So verse 16. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods. Uh, Lord G again. And worship them. We're going to go a few of these. And then we're going to stop. Deuteronomy. Yeah I know we're in Old Testament. Deuteronomy. Chapter 30. Verse 17. There's a reason why we're going through this. I know. You say, oh, you're just re reading all these random scriptures about worship. What, what, what does that do to veneration? We're going to get there. Chapter 30 verse 17. But if thine heart turn away. So that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away, and worship other gods, again, lower G, remember it's gods, plural, and serve them. I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. See, other gods, he's pretty clear. He's not just making up stuff as he goes along. You know, I, I, I'm always fascinated that people don't realize how important it is. And, and I'm only going to read a few. There are so many more uh, uh, chapters and verses talking about the same thing. All right, we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 6. Let's see if I can get there. But if ye shall at all turn from following me, ye or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes, not statues, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods, lowercase g, and worship them, then will I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them. Ah... <sighs> Do you get the message yet? Worshipping other gods. And what are saints? And, uh, uh, what are saints? The equivalent of other gods in pagan history. I mean, it's not hard to look it up and find it. It, it really isn't. I guess it's taking the time, which I would think if you are truly a Bible believer, you would take the time to look up these things. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 17, we will start. 
And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and shalt observe my statutes and my judgments, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom according as I have covenanted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. But if ye turn away and forsake my statutes, not statues, statutes, statutes, and my commandments which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods, lowercase g, with a plural, and worship them. Then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land, which I have given them, and this house which I have sanctified for my name, will I cast out of my sight, and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house, which is high, shall be an astonishment to everyone that passeth by it, so that he shall say, Why hath the Lord done thus unto this land and unto this house? That's a question mark. Excuse me if I take a sip of my water. Now let's go into Psalms. We'll go right in order so it's just easy. Psalms chapter 81, verses 8 through 13. Even I got to turn there. We're live and on the air, folks. We're live and on the air. He likes these pages sometimes can stick to one another, depending on which one. All right. 8 through 13. Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee. O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me, there shall no strange God, that's a small g, be in thee. Neither shalt thou worship any strange God. Lower G. I am the Lord thy God, uppercase G, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own hearts, lust, and, thy, and they walked in their own counsels. Ah, in their own counsels. They took no counsel with the Lord, had you noticed. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. So now let's move on to Psalms chapter 97, verse 7. Hopefully I won't be interrupted by any outside folks this evening in the household. It's pretty quiet, and I'm hoping not to hear anybody. That way I can uh, concentrate on this podcast. Psalm 97, verse 7. Confounded be all they that serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. So, now here's a good one. We talked about the idols, didn't we? So, confounded be all they that serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols, worship him. See, and what do they do? They worship these saints. They have little parades, little festivals in celebration. Whether it be Romulus or Remus 
right next there to the, uh, the, the, the fake statue of Peter. Where they put the little crown, triple crown, or whatever it is, Tierra crown, I forget what it's called. Alright, let's go to Isaiah. Jump in Isaiah, which is a good one. Chapter 2, verse 8. So Isaiah chapter 2, verse 8, again, reminder, King James Bible. Do, 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 do. Their land also is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. And the mean man boweth down, and the great man humbleth himself. Therefore forgive them not. That's awesome. All right, we're going to go to Daniel chapter 3. I know I'm trying to speed along here, folks. I don't want to go too fast and miss anything, but chances are I might. You never know. But you notice there's a lot of worshiping of false gods and false deities and raising men above God and the statues and, not statutes, statues and idols and what do we have today? Many of the same things. It's funny when they're doing all those statues and tearing down of Robert E. Lee, I didn't really care that much. These are all men. But as a secular view of history, I also understand learning from looking at the actual items is the same. So you get into a little tricky zone there when learning history. All right, Micah, I'm sorry, Daniel, chapter 3, verse 10. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. So hopefully, like I said before, I will not be interrupted during this podcast. I'm hoping I'll hear no sounds that will interrupt the podcast. And, you know, I do have a family, so hopefully they don't come down the stairs and interrupt my podcast while I'm trying to do it, because that would, uh, be unfortunate. I hate to lose my place on a decent podcast. Well, hate's a strong word, but I really dislike it if something like that would happen. So let's go to Micah. Chapter 5, verse 13. Actually, you know what? We're going to go to Titus. Chapter 3, verse 9. I know, Titus. Why would I go to Titus of all places? Well, Genealogy, the veneration, we're worshiping different people or our ancestry. And remember, Jesus also said, Let the dead bury the dead. We're moving on. You can remember them in their heads. You don't have to go to their grave and rock back and forth all the time. So, we go to Titus chapter 3, verse 9. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies, and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. That's important to understand. Genealogies. We often look in the past when there's no need to do so. 
We're always concerned about those things. Well, the past is the past, and those family members who have died, they've died and they've moved on. They don't, they're not watching over you. It wouldn't make sense for them to do so. They would have a, a vested interest, so to speak. They would be biased. And the angels aren't biased. Well, for those who are saved. So when I was talking earlier about the venerations of saints is exactly the worst of the bet and dead. What am I talking about? Well, let's talk. The veneration of angels and dead saints has been required by Rome of all the members it's ever had throughout time. Or what? Well, they may be excommunicated. Or even worse, death. And that's since, what, around 375? Right in that area? See, the veneration of the saints is just another name. It's just saying, but just another name for the pagan worship of dead people. If you do the legwork, you're going to find that to be true. You see, pagans from all time periods have engaged in a practice that is called ancestor worship. See, when one's departed forebears are worshipped and prayed to. In pagan worship, the dead were venerated and buried in places where people could later come and worship them. And what do we have now? Gravestones. Graveyards. Markers. Veneration of the dead, ancestor reverence. It's all based on the belief that the dead have a continued existence and or possess the ability to influence the fortune of the living. Ah, not Jesus, though. Not God. Perhaps your relative who was passed over. Who else talks to, pa to passed over relatives and, and, and to get guidance? Mediums, psychics. The ancient Egyptian pyramids... They're actually the most famous historical monuments devoted to the dead. Isn't that crazy? It was actually based on the Egyptian theory of the survival of the soul as being alive after death. You see, the mummification of the dead body to preserve it and... and, and, and had it flourished as a vital part of the Egyptian religion. In Rome during the time of the empire, the, the body was actually, mo well, most often cremated and, and the ashes were placed in a tomb outside the city walls. Much of the month of February was devoted to veneration of the dead. Especially during the nine-day festival of the Parentella. Or it's Parentella or Parentella, I think I may have pronounced it. We'll talk about that in a moment. During which a family honored its ancestors. The family visited the cemetery and they shared like uh, foods and cakes and wine and you know, I don't know about finger sandwiches, I don't know, as a form of like offerings to the dead. Offerings to the dead. They're dead. They cannot help you no more. There is only one who did not die, Jesus. Even today, some believe in using idols for the veneration of the dead. 
the Catholic Church, well, the Roman Catholic Church, makes statues. This time I mean statues, not statutes. They make statues, idols of dead saints. It is believed, if I, yeah, roughly, what am I thinking about? Ah, sorry, I lost my train of thought. It is believed that they are like intercessors with God. We talked about that earlier with the Virgin Mary, the intercessor. Saints are intercessors. All graven images of worship usually represent dead heroes, ancestors, or the Virgin Mary. Interestingly, though, in the Catholic structure, a person does not become a saint until he or she is dead. Wherever they may be found in Catholic churches, schools, or homes, the statues are considered important and indeed sacred. There are, I think, roughly 400. I was counting in. Oh. Where? Hold on. There was 392. Just in the St. Peter's. In the entrance. Alone. There are thousands more elsewhere throughout the world. Idol worship greatly lowers the idea of worshiping God to the level of worshiping stone or wood images of the dead. Think about that. Idol worship brings down the idea of worshiping God to the level of worshiping stone or piece of wood, an image of the dead. So apparently God can't be that almighty, can he? And that's what the Roman Catholics want you to believe. The veneration and consultation, consultation, consultation of the dead are actually prohibited in Scripture. And we read about some of that. Deuteronomy 18, I think we read it. Anyone who came into contact with a dead person or a grave was considered unclean and could not take part in worship. Huh. That's in Numbers and Leviticus. In Catholicism, the worship of the dead in the form of, you know, veneration of the saints is incredibly important. It even has, like, holy days. To honor the dead, which include what? You're going to know these. All Saints Day, All Souls Day, and the Day of the Dead. Catholic churches are shrines for the dead. Shrines. You can't walk into a church or, or uh, a cathedral or those lar- any of those large buildings for the Catholics that don't or won't be without dead bodies and graves. Look it up. In fact, the sacrifice of the Mass is also for the dead. You ever been to a Catholic church? I've been to a few. And I'm not going to say that every single one does, but I'm pretty sure they do since it's in their liturgy. They pray for the dead. They have more prayers for the dead than I do the living. This is evidenced by the fact that masses cannot proceed if there is not a relic of the dead associated with the altar. The concept of praying to Mary 
saints and angels is not found in the Bible. On the contrary, we are directed to pray to our Father in heaven. And where do we find that? Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, as I'm flipping back through the pages. Let's go to it so we can read it. I didn't have the page open, but let's get there. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to sing it until I, you know, I'm just not buying time here until I can get to chapter 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Indeed. Give us this day our daily bread. You recognize prayer. He gives us the daily bread. And forgive us our debts. He forgives our debts. But we have to forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. temptation. Didn't ask for the saints. Doesn't say pray to the saints, Mary, or anybody else here. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. God is the kingdom. Not the saints. He is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So in the 1854, yeah, 1854 papal decree declaring the Immaculate Conception of Mary. Think about that. It took to 1854. Don't you have all the answers? Hey, Pope. Weren't you chosen by God? Don't you have all these answers already? Shouldn't you have told this us 1,500 years before that? Yeah, because you're not chosen by God. Pope Pius IX says, and I have this written right here, let all the children of the Catholic Church continue to venerate, invoke, and pray to the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, conceived without original sin. Hmm. Actually, John Calvin uh, uh, wrote or showed that the incidents in church history, the prayers of saints, prayers with dead, burned for relics, the lighting of ca candles, and the veneration of icons are all rooted in Roman paganism. Yes, John Calvin. No, I'm not a Calvinist. The, such practices slowly came into the Christian church after Christianity became the official religion. Remember the official religion of the Roman Empire. Remember Constantine? In the 4th century. I talked about, what, 375 earlier. Here is an expert. I'm sorry, expert. This is an excerpt from Calvin's work. Uh, the one I was just talking about. Uh, and this is, I got this written down in front of me. Um, a treaty on relics. Paganism filled the Olympus with gods and demigods, elevating to this rank men who have been, who have often deserved the gratitude of the fellow creatures by some signal services rendered to the community or their admiration by having performed some deeds which required more than the usual degree of mental and spiritual powers. The same cause obtained for the Christian martyrs the gratitude and admiration of their fellow Christians and finally converted them into a kind of demigods. This was more particularly the case when the church began to be corrupted 
by her compromise with paganism. Remember that. Remember the whole Sunday thing? We talked about that before. How it was easy and just kind of merged the whole thing. During the 4th and 5th centuries, which having been baptized without being converted, rapidly introduced into the Christian church, not only many of its rites and ceremonies, but even its polytheism. With this difference that the of Greece and Rome were replaced by Christian saints, many of whom are received, or sorry, many of whom received the offices of their pagan predecessors. We could talk about the Lateran Treaty, which was actually from the Lateran Palace, which was where the, the popes and the, uh, the bishops were previously, where the, uh, a lot of the emperors were at, and the Lateran Treaty uh, with uh, um, uh, Benito Mussolini, uh, 1929, uh, I could be wrong on that one, I think it's 29, um, who gave the Vatican land. Remember that. He was definitely a hardcore Roman Catholic, and they were fine with what he was doing, that's for sure. So Calvin also gave some specific examples of how Christian saints uh, simply became substitutes for pagan deities. See, remember what I was talking about earlier. Actually, here's a small list that he gets here, gives here. Thus, St. Anthony, and this is from the same writing, a treatise on, on relics, Thus St. Anthony of, and again I must say I'm not a Calvinist, thus St. Anthony of Padua restores, like Mercury, stolen property. St. Hubert, like Diana, is the patron of sportsmen. St. Cosmas, like Asephius, that of physicians, etc. In fact, almost every profession and trade, as well as every place, have their special patron saint, who, like the tutelary, uh, divinity of the pagans receives particularly I'm sorry particular hours from his or her proteges. Remember I spoke about that earlier. If you go and find all these saints you can match them right up. It's amazing. It's not really amazing because it's exactly what it is, paganism. It didn't go away. A good example of the closeness of the resemblance of the specialization of functions of different saints to that of pagan spirits is found in the published lists of saints used by Spanish peasants. So let's do a couple of them. Let's go, go through a couple of these. San Serapio should be appealed to in case of stomachache. I was just talking about this. Remember I was talking about this? I, I forgot that I wrote this down. Santa Polonia for toothache. Let's uh, flip the page of my writings here. San what? San Juan Bautista and Santa Catalina. I think that's a Catalina Islands actually out in California for a headache. San Bernardo and San Cirillo for indigestion. And the list goes on and on. I'm not going to go through the whole list I got here. I mean, I'll be here all night. But you get the point. Now let's talk about the festivals. We were talking about that earlier. Well, you know, specific festivals, kind of, of the modern Roman church, Roman Catholic church, whatever you want to call it. They go back directly to pagan customs, connected with the dead. Oh, man. I'm always blown away. I was talking to a, a, a woman who converted to Catholicism. I guess she was really never, 
She said she was a Protestant, kind of. Um, and her husband's a Roman Catholic. It's funny how she said Roman Catholic, not Catholic. It was interesting. And she was blown away by just a couple of simple things that is in the Bible, and she was didn't even know it was there. Because, well, the Catholic Church doesn't want you to know it's there. And if you find out, they'll figure out how to twist it best they can. So you have what? One of them are um, All Saints Day. It's now actually celebrated on the first Sunday of November. But up until the time of Pope Gregory III, it was observed on the 13th of May, which was one of the days of the Roman Festival of the Dead. The Lemuria. Uh, um, oh, where is it? Lemuria. Whether there is any connection between these dates or not, the rights of all saints' days, or saint day, I should say, are not a survival of the Lemuria, but it is a survival of the what? We talked about this earlier. Parentella, or Parentelia. People go in great numbers to the cemeteries and deck the graves of the members of their family with candles. What do they, and, and like I said, what do you do now? People go to graves. They put flowers on them. They clean them off. They... They, you know, mow the area. They shine them up. I, you know, it, I'm not kidding. And then there's a mass, which all through the year is directed to the response of the souls of the departed. Not a lot of Bible learning going on in those masses. Some of the early Christians themselves protested against the cult of saints. And saint worship. There was... Vigilantus, I think, and Faustus. And then on the other side, there was like the apologists, I should, if that's the right way of saying it. Like Augustine, Jerome, um, Ambrose, Basil. They're probably more than I'm not remembering. Though claiming that God alone was worshipped, expressed full belief in the uh, Ephesus of the uh, intercession of the saints. You see, when the law was given to the children of Israel at Sinai, they had just been delivered from a country where some of the worst forms of idolatry had been practiced. The mass exodus of which I'm talking about. The chief gods, which the Egyptians worshipped, were the likenesses of Osiris and his wife, Isis. Osiris was known as the god of the dead. All heathen gods were men and women who after their deaths were deified and worshipped in many places. They are still worshipped today. As far back as you can be you can go or trace the worship of all pagan deities originated with the worship of dead men and dead women. The Bible actually speaks very plainly concerning the worship of the dead and the familiar spirits of the dead. What does it say? It, doesn't, it says not to seek after those that peep and mutter. Isaiah 8.19. In fact, did we read that today? Oh, we read something else in chapter 8. In Leviticus, Deuteronomy, 
like Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God hath God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abomination of those nations. One of these heathen practices was to consult with familiar spirits. It's psychism, psychism, psychic mediums representing the dead. Remember what I said earlier. At the Vatican every year, on the feast of the chair of St. Peter, remember I was talking about that earlier, that's the one, uh, that's the uh, bronze statue there of uh, Peter near the altar of St. Peter's Basilica. They dress it in like vestments and a papal tiara thing, a triple tiara placed on the head. It's in celebration of the authority of the papacy. the, The man's dead. It's done June sometime, too. I think June 29th. Do you understand how wrong it is? Now, think to this. The Bible talks about being different. We're not to be of the world. So, veneration of the dead. Think about that. Think about how the fact that it happens... Where? Southeast Africa, Senegal, Gambia, Madagascar, Cambodia, China. Indonesia, Japan, Korea, um, Myanmar, um, what's it called? Myanmar, Philippines, Sri Lanka, Thailand, Vietnam. Even in the Celtic cultures, Celtic, yeah, Celtic cultures, well, it's Celtic too. Islam, and they all came from ancient Egypt and ancient Rome. So, if the Bible says we're to be different, and we're not supposed to, we're coming, we're not to be of the world. Well, if all of the world is venerating the dead, just like the Vatican does in the Roman Catholic Church, well, I will argue that, well, they're in sin. I mean, they literally believe that the dead have continued existence. That's exactly what psychics also say. Now, the parentalia. I never could say that right. That was in ancient Rome. That's the one I was talking about. It's a nine-day festival. It's held in honor of family ancestors. So, the Parentelia was a holiday on the Roman religious calendar. Its observance were mainly domestic and familiar. The importance of the family to the Roman state, however, was expressed by public ceremonies on the opening day. The ideas uh, of February, when a vestal conducted a rite, and that vestal is basically a virgin, which is funny because that goes with the whole Islam thing too. But you see how it's exactly all the same? They're all tied in one to the other. There's no big differences at all. 
So if you're going to be of the world, then I guess you can do these things. So when we talk about the veneration and worship of saints, it's the same thing. People say, no, it's not. It is. You worship the saints. You worship the statues. You worship the idols. You can tell me you venerate them all day long. That's fine. Use the word venerate because it really means the same thing for you. You venerate. You worship. There's no. There are more venerations to saints and, of course, Virgin Marys. I say Marys, you might as well, you might as well throw a plural on there because you uh, base them out to Osiris and uh, uh, not, uh, not Osiris, um, Isis and Diana. Same thing. No, we don't. We just pray to them. Why? Do you have no faith in Jesus? Do you do you have no faith that your prayers will be answered by Jesus if someone else doesn't? Does Jesus need to remember when the um? Let's say, does Jesus need Mary or anybody else to tell him? Remember the wine? Uh, the wedding? His mother asked him to, uh, to uh, uh, make the wine. And he basically talked, that, talked down or goes, what are you talking about? Uh, I'm paraphrasing, basically. But my time is not now, woman. He did it anyways. But I was like... Do you not get it? My time's not now. I'll, I'll do it. Not because he felt he had to. Not because it was a need. It was the first miracle. Jesus does not need the saints. Did he need the saints? When he was walking on earth to perform miracles? Was that as important? When someone came across the deserts, basically, across the lands, to heal a family member, it was already done before he got there, wasn't it? He didn't need it. They didn't need an intercessor. They had faith in Jesus. So stop praying to these saints that they venerate. One day you'll, read the, you'll meet the real saints. So veneration, worship, you can call it a different name if you want, but it's the same thing for a lot of people. The veneration of all these saints is the worship of the dead. That is why in the Roman Catholic Church and many other religions and cultures, veneration and worship are the same. When you venerate the saints, you worship the dead. The phrase, I'm the, the God of the living, not the dead. Well, I appreciate you tuning in. I realize this podcast went a little bit longer than normal. Yikes, I'm at 47 minutes into this thing. Um, I appreciate you hanging in there and listening for this whole entire time. I know it was a lot longer than I usually do a podcast. Um, I thought maybe I would do one-hour podcast, but I never usually get that long. I think one other one I did. So again, I, I am incredibly grateful that you've taken your time to listen to me ramble on about these things from the Bible, King James Bible. So God bless, and have a good night. Into the church, grace be with you.